Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, we've tried really hard to make the podcast relevant past this pandemic. But I think because of our guests today, because of the weight of all of this 10 weeks, that was a quarter when I was at UC Riverside. And that's crazy to think we are not gonna talk about the pandemic. So just trigger warning, I suppose, if this is for future people. And if you're listening well, to it, obviously, I mean, right it's now, possible this pandemic and everything, it's gonna go on for another year. We I don't mean, know the You know what's interesting is if our lives will now be pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19, if that's how we're going to be talking about it. It's hour by hour. I was just talking to our guests about that with how I feel and what's going on. And yesterday was a particularly hard day. I had my first virtual mediation. Amanda has gone to a couple. And I literally had to stop it early, just a couple of hours. But there was no solution that I could see because... The child has behavioral issues. He doesn't want to log on to his current program uh, or programming. And, you know, obviously he had support when he was in school. And so how do you provide that if, you know, the stay shelter, stay put, whatever is, you know, nobody's going to risk themselves to yeah. do that, which kind of folds well, we into talk about technology helping us so much. It's keeping us connected in many ways and it's helping so many families and kids get access to education, but in many cases, it is becoming a downfall because I think a lot of schools are reverting to this is the option. And when we talk about individualized education, you know, having a one size fits all does not work. We know that the law specifically says that. And I think that's been a challenge. I definitely have had several. It's like the technology being the only solution is not a good solution. But then there's also so many unknowns. Yeah, because we don't know we're in some school districts. I saw there's 10 days away from school being out. We don't know what's happening in summer. We don't know what's happening in fall. We have no idea. And neither do the schools. Yeah, it's tough. I am for the, you know, it's these last couple of months of this school year. It is what it is. You know, we as teachers will meet our children when we get them back. And that was with the hopeful mentality that we would be back in the fall. But yesterday, I just realized during the mediation, the way opposing counsel was talking and just the general sense that we're getting in this week is that we're going to be here for a while. And I keep saying that and I'm sure I'll believe it one day. But this whole, well, it's just for now and it'll be okay. No, because now we're going to have, are we going to have an entire year, you know, at least the fall be digital as well? And what are we going to do with these kids? So I, I don't know. I think our guest today really put us in this this mindset of how we can try. And I'm going to let her give her own little mini introduction and background. Miss Steven, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. It's a pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and it's a pleasure to see your faces and hear your voices. And, <laughs> you know, I'm just getting so little of that at this point in my life. So my name is Genia and I have a podcast as well, the Good Things in Life podcast. And I run Good Things in Life, which is 
appropriate for right now during these pandemic restrictions, an online resource and community for parents of kids with intellectual disabilities, helping them to support their kids to build good, inclusive lives at home, at school, and in the community. And, you know, we were talking about the pandemic and the, or the, you know, not having everything be steeped in pandemic talk on your podcast. I'm doing the same, you know, really trying to make sure that what we're talking about is valuable after, whatever after means as well. But I think that, you know, I think that I want to talk about today is really relevant all of the time because one of the things that is so true for kids with disabilities is that school often is a bomb. You know, like it's even in the best situations, sometimes it's not working or maybe not. Obviously, that's not the best situation. But even when we're not faced with limitations around how kids can be supported and when physical distancing and school closures are not an issue, we still know that for many kids, school's not going to be massively (laughs) successful and it's not going to provide them all of the things that we know a really good quality, inclusive, truly inclusive education right. can provide kids. And so, you know, whether it's pandemic thinking or not, you know, pandemic planning or outside of the pandemic, I think that there's it's helpful for parents to be thinking about, you know, okay, so if this is not working, what's the priority? Because the idea, you know, one of the things that we haven't yet mentioned with all of this is that when it's just that parent at home with that kid, you know, like the kid who doesn't want to sign on or the kid who can't truly see the screen and right. connect with their um, peers or their teachers or, you know, any number of reasons why remote education is not working. It's still that parent who's either trying to work from home or trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills and, you know, keep food on the table and, you know, trying to keep kids, honestly, right. trying to keep kids going through this is right. enough, you know, never mind trying to make kids full-time teachers and educational assistants and, you know, also expecting that they're going to be have enough mental energy to be creative enough to figure out how to make this work and to problem solve. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's just too much. The expectation, we received some communication this week from the Minister of Health in Ontario, where I live. And first of all, it was like a two-page, single-space kind of letter. And I'm like, I don't have time to read all of, (laughs) you know, just tell me what I need to know. Right, yeah. Give me the bullet points. But one of the things that they were talking about is like, you know, I'm hearing from parents that you know, they want um, all these flowery adjectives kind of descriptions for this interactive, you know, high quality education. And also, you know, I'm hearing your concerns about, you know, summer loss of learning and, you know, the extension of loss of learning. And I'm thinking, you know, I get it. But on the other hand, what kind of pressure are you putting on parents to think that if they don't provide a school experience at home? Right you know, their kids are going to fall dangerously behind. So anyway, if any of your listeners are feeling a ton of pressure to, you know, get it all done and perform and do all the things, you have my entire 100% endorsement to let that go. Right. (laughs) Brush it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of, I have a, a good amount of friends like on Facebook that are teachers And I've seen some comments of some of them say things like, I have one student that hasn't logged on to Zoom once. I have a few students that have logged in a couple times and like statements like that. And it's not to say anything bad about those comments, but 
I don't know if all the teachers out there realize how much of a struggle this has been for many families. Certainly the families that maybe are also have children, but even then, like every circumstance is different. And Mm -hmm. I know I have several clients that have told me I cannot access whether it's both parents are working on the front lines whole time and Mm -hmm. it's older siblings that are actually home with the kid they cannot be expected to do like it's hard Mm -hmm. enough to expect the parents to do this let alone you're going to ask a 12 year old like that's not okay and then there's the families where yeah the students are having they struggle with access you know in a typical school environment right and so like i think that that's something that has put more pressure because i know i've had some clients that have told me i'm getting emails all the time saying why aren't you logging on why aren't you doing this and it's like I think there needs to be a better level of understanding on all sides that we are all doing the best we can and to set these standards. And like, yeah, there may be some families who don't miss a beat, who don't miss a single Zoom lesson, but you can't judge the other families who can't because you don't know what's happening at home. There might be six kids. Yeah. And I also think that for those families who never miss a a beat with this, Mm -hmm. you also don't know what it's costing them. Right. 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 And I think when we're thinking about kids with disabilities, when we think about their education and when we think about long-term outcomes for people with disabilities in general, we know that one of the greatest threats to people's happiness, to their lives even, is a lack of social capital, not... Mm -hmm any particular skill that wasn't developed in school. You know, not that I don't think that competency development is important for people with disabilities. It totally is. And I think having high expectations and a growth mindset and then working towards, you know, removing barriers for kids learning so that they can be developing competencies, really important. But the bottom line is that if a child learns to read or do math or not, What's going to make a bigger difference in their life than those variables is the relationships that they have and the social capital that they have with others. And so I feel like, you know, the right now, parents are going to have to figure out for their own kids what their biggest priorities are. And I'm talking to parents who some of their priorities are things like maintaining work on communication. You know, and I totally can, I get that. And so lots of parents are going to have really specific things that they know are really crucial for their kids. So what I'm about to say is just meant to be general, not, you know, arguing with a parent about developmental priorities. But I think that one priority that actually is going to make a way bigger difference to kids' lives now through the pandemic, actually their development and their learning and their future happiness and success in life is actually around focusing on relationships, focusing on staying connected. And as much as the tech is a barrier to education, there's still lots and lots of ways that families can be helping to helping their kids to get connected, to stay connected, and to maintain or build those relationships. And so that's been a major focus of my work. Well, always, you know, outside of the pandemic as well. But during the pandemic is just, you know, how, what are some of the ways that we can think about our kids making a difference in the lives of other people, a positive difference in the lives of other people. And the opportunities really are brought for that right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, what I, what I like about your philosophy is, you know, trying to have parents create, you know, a a vision of their child's life and what Mm -hmm. the future is. 
what is so insidious about this pandemic is that uncertainty, right? The certainty that we could be certain about no longer is underneath us. So it does feel like the rug being pulled out from under us. And for sure, I think not letting that go. But if we have a, a grip on that, if we could just loosen the grip, I think that that will go a long way. And I think that that is kind of what your philosophy has evolved to, right? I'm sure with your help with parents. And and I think that's the same boat that Amanda and I are in, right? There are certain things that are uncertain, but you know, there's a difference in what we can do right now. And most of the time with our, we're looking when we're, when we file a complaint, it's like, what's happened in the past? What can we do to make the child whole? But, and most of the time we stick to what's happening now and what can we change in the future? I think that just being a bit more thoughtful about that is presented somewhat of a challenge, right? Because, you know, when the child's going to school, yeah, let's get them a one-to-one aid. But when Mm -hmm. you need that one-to-one aid in the new classroom, which is the home, and it sure as heck can't be the mom, but, you know, people are afraid of this virus and who's exposed to what, it's presenting a real challenge. So I think, you know, we've been talking about letting go, but I think even just loosening the grip on our expectations, I think can go a long way as well for now. Yeah, I also think that families are much better positioned to be working on connectedness and relationship than they are to be working on curriculum, you know, particularly within the context of pandemic restrictions. So, you know, for example, it can still serve some of those academic goals. So for example, you know, a child even supported by their older siblings who may be the person who's with them at home, as Amanda said, you know, may be able to make up some cards and, you know, deliver to the people on their street saying, I'm thinking of you. And, you know, if you need your dog walked, you know, let me know. If you need your garden weeded, you know, are there any vulnerable people who need the gifts that your child has to bring, has to offer, you know, those are things that, first of all, have tremendous opportunity for development of skills. It's a wonderful learning opportunity. And it's an opportunity to actually strengthen some of the relationships that are going to carry us through. And I think if we've learned anything through this experience of isolation, it's how incredibly important and critical our relations and our connections with each other are. And the other really a beautiful opportunity in a terrible situation is that people are far more personally aware of their need for connection. Right. I think really open when people are finding ways of reaching out to them and telling them or showing them that they care, that there's a friendly time talking across the street to my neighbors in the last few months than I have in the 10 years I've lived here. Well, and I think this presents a really unique opportunity to highlight something that I think is lacking in special education in general. I think that connection piece is something that you know, a lot of families couch it as my kid doesn't really have any friends. They're not being invited to parties or whatnot. But it's not just about friendship. It's about that connection. And we see so many of these children grow up. And if they live with their families, you know, we get so many clients of of older kids who 
don't really have connections outside of their family. And what happens when they do need to live in a group home or, you know, their family is only their parents and their parents die, you know, we see so many of these individuals who don't have connections outside of that very small circle. And I think that's something that we don't focus on enough just in general. So if we can use this time, this opportunity to build on those relationships, I think not only is it going to help right now, but it's going to help so much more for this, the child's future than anything we did in social skills. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when you're looking at Like social skills as an example, Amanda, is perfect for this because it's, you know, all kids need to be taught social skills. They're not born with that. But some kids with disabilities are going to continue to have to sort of be in the world in a way that is uh, not easy for other people to relate to. And that's not going to change with social skills. And we don't necessarily want it to change. Like we're not trying to force everybody into a single way of, of being in the world. But the thing that makes that person more likely to be included and to belong, enough people knowing them and knowing somebody is how that, you know, that behavior, that way of being in the world stops feeling like a barrier to connection and just is how that person is. That's just how that person is. And it's fine, right? So, you know, when we think about things like what happens after high school graduation, and who are the people that might be willing to hire our sons and daughters or give them volunteer opportunities or help them out of a jam if they get into a situation out in the community and it's not and they're distressed and it's you know and they lack the social skills to be able to advocate their way out of it it's going to be the neighbor who says oh that's my neighbor i'm going to step in and figure it out right so that social model you know literally the currency we exchange as we navigate our world is massively important for people with disabilities and there's been some research that shows that people with disabilities have less than one-fifth the number of significant relationships in their lives compared to people without disabilities wow and most of our opportunity in life no matter how hard we work for it or how much we pull you know pull ourselves up by our bootstraps most of our opportunities in life really are mediated in some capacity by the people we know or the connections have. So we need connections. We, our kids need connections. And now is a really great time to be doing that. It's so a, It's a I very primal the- need at its core, right? You know, we cannot survive without others, you know, and that is family. And then, you know, it's a broader kind of into the community, right? So I think that is very important. And just because we have to social distance doesn't mean that we have to socially isolate. And I think that people, you know, I think it was really fun to do Zoom parties and happy hours at the beginning. And I've started to kind of see that slowly wither away. But it is, I think, something that is still very much needed. Our kiddos can sometimes do so well with not just social media but digital platforms because of the Uh way that you know the generation they were born in and I really hope that people kind of listen to this podcast and really take that away that it's okay that you don't want to see the same faces that you've been seeing every day (laughs) and to get that space so you know we really appreciate you coming on and being able to kind of share that point because it is a difficult time to navigate right and it's it, it really is a roller coaster and you know as I was saying to you before you know right now I'm okay I think I'm okay because I'm talking to two highly intelligent people (laughs) that want to help 
the world as it is now. And it's okay if I'm not okay after this, right? That's right. <laughs> so thank you so much for taking the time to come on our podcast. We know that you're busy with so much and we really just appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And if people are interested in thinking more about how they can help their kids um, get and stay connected, compiled some resources around that, some video resources around that, and people can access that at goodthingsinlife.org forward slash stay connected. Awesome. That's wonderful. We'll put that in the show notes. We'll promote that because, you know, that's so important now, getting resources out to, to everybody. So that's great that you put that together. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thanks so much for having me today. And it's so nice to see your faces and to connect. Thanks, Janine. Mm -hmm. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next week. As the sun will rise, we will be back next week with a new episode. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.